welcome to Killing It, the crime cast. I'm Lux. And I am Sam. And what are we talking about? Murder. Murder. We're talking about murder again. The usual. But first, some very exciting news. Oh, you'll take the what? I'll take the usual, please. (laughs) Fresh cup of murder. Okay, so exciting news that we have. Yes, very exciting. So, unfortunately, this news was delivered to me by a Twitter user whose handle I don't know because when I tried to look it up, it said protected tweet. But thank you, anonymous tweet person for nominating us for the People's Choice Award category at the British Podcast Awards. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's Uh, crazy. Thank you so much. I mean, okay, we're a very new podcast. We've only been about for a couple of months. You know, we're not, we know we're not going to win. Yeah, we're very aware. That's totally understandable. It's just amazing to even have someone say we're good enough for that. It's really exciting. After like two months. It's such a nice feeling. It's super exciting. And, you know, any votes would be super useful if anyone wants to go on and vote for us. Just to put us on the radar a bit, right? To get us on the map. It'd be really amazing. And, you know, maybe for next year we could get nominated for the true crime uh, portion of the awards. How cool would that be? It would be insane. And that's not, you know, that's not voting based. That's, um, there are some judges who do that and choose it sort of like the Oscars or whatever. Oh, we're fucked then. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like seriously, thank you guys so much. Um, And we love all the people who listen all the time. We, we do know who you are. That sounded weird. We are aware of who you are. That sounded weirder. I'm going to use that as a segue to talk about one of our regular listeners, if, if I may. Please. Because, you know, <laughs> you were mumbling. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my Van Emma, um, which is grandma, she listens a lot. And sometimes when she listens to an episode, she'll email me and chat, we'll chat about it. And she actually, um, she lives in Kansas, but she sent us through Amazon the... DVD, The Bad, uh, not The Badlands, I think it's just called Badlands, right? Mm-hmm. And it's based on the Starkweather Fugate. Oh, the Fugate Starkweather murder that I did last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know where you're going with it. I was like, Star. I was going to say Stargate Wars. because I, for some reason my brain mushed them together, but it's Starkweather and Carol Fugate. Yeah, Caroline Fugate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a film about that. And thank you very much, Van Emma. We're going to have to watch that soon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's it for updates. Yeah, I think we're good for updates. I think we're going to get going. Do you want to start? Do you want to start this week? I kind of want you to tell me first because I've been really excited to hear about your guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you've been telling me that there's a twist, so I'm like, do it, boy. Well, don't do it. tell people that. Well, it's like watching a Shyamalan movie. You know, there's a twist. You just don't know what it is. All right. Fine. Yeah. All there's right. a twist. <laughs> fine. God. Uh, have you got any content warnings? I certainly do. Right. right. So, uh, the content warnings in my story are: there's a bit of child murder, Little sexual bit. abuse, and rape. All unpleasant topics for a comedy podcast. Um, <laughs> so my guy is called Andreas Pandy. I liked how you pronounced that. You went Andreas. Andreas. Right. So basically <laughs> he's Hungarian. Oh. And also uh, Belgian. He's Belgian and Hungarian. There's going to be a lot of names that I'm going to do really badly. Just do them in the accent you it, just did, It's mate. probably going to devolve into just like Russian and kind of Eastern European Polish because I'm not good enough Oh, at I was accents. thinking like Hispanic. Hispanic. Might as well. His name is Andreas. Andreas Pandi. Yeah, legit. Just go with it. I mean, I'm assuming he's a serial killer, so. Well, he's kind of. He's he's very vaguely related to Antonio Banderas, apparently. Who was Spanish? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a joke. I I hope that that track. (laughs) Right, so. He's Hungarian, so the accent is just going to be like Polish or Russian. Um, so Pandy was born June 1st, 1927. That's my best friend's birthday. No, it can't be, because that's not my birthday. (laughs) <laughs> oh, touche. Oh, wait. I see what just happened. <laughs> um, in uh, Carpathian Ruthenia. That's a lovely right? name. Which is a village on the Hungarian border. Um, Beautiful. It's lovely. Uh, not a lot is known about his life. He was uh, obviously born in a tricky time between two world wars. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, honestly, there's like nothing about his life until the 50s. Oh, really? Much. So how old, how old is he then? I forgot what year he was born. He was born in 1927. So, okay. you know, pretty like... So he's you know, an adult. Tw- late 20s, early 30s. Right. So Pandy was a church counsellor for the Reformed Church in Hungary when he met his wife, Ilona Sores. Ilona? Again, I, I, it I would sound better if you said it in his Hispanic accent. No, Ilona Sores. Ilona Sores. See? Sounds great. Si, molto bene. That's, that wasn't Spanish, mate. That was Italian. Yeah, it was Italian. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good at accents, not languages. <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to call her Ilona because I'm very British. I'm just going to be like, Ilona. Yeah, we bastardise everything. Why not her name? Yeah, exactly. Right? So uh, in 1956, there was a failed Hungarian revolution, which is essentially a revolt of the Hungarian people against the Soviet policies of the Hungarian government. So like a really bad time to be in Hungary. So uh, Pandy and his wife fled the country to Belgium. In Belgium, Pandy became a pastor for a rather small Hungarian Protestant community in Belgium. Okay. It's quite a niche. Small I mean, audience. I mean, there were a lot of Hungarians. Says fleeing. us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, point. come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so the couple popped out a whole bunch of little Hungarians. Uh, little two, babies. Yeah, a daughter, Agnes, and two sons, Daniel and Zoltan. Zoltan. Right? <gasps> I, I literally, I was thinking this, I was reading this, and I love the idea of Daniel being like, oh, father, hello, I'm Daniel. And Zoltan just being like, hello, father. It reminds me of like, my name is Inigo Montoya. It's like, my name is Zoltan Pandey. I am Zoltan. (laughs) I am your son. Just like, I don't know, just like a little little boy with like a deep voice, just sort of like being like... Pops out as a baby with that voice. Pops out the kid and he's just like, uh, look at our little lovely little boy. And he's like, hello, mother. Welcome to the new regime where I will be leading. (laughs) Zoltan will prevail. Zoltan! Yeah, literally. Um, Shortly after Zoltan was born, Pandy lost his shit a little bit and accused his wife of cheating on him. Um, so uh, I tried to inject some logic into this freak out by like sort of, by thinking it could very well have been caused by like Zoltan looking different, like having a certain complexion like if he or pops something. Out yeah, a like, race. like like if, if Ilona popped out a little Chinese baby, maybe he'd have a reason to be annoyed. Maybe. But then I literally continued to read to the next paragraph of my research and immediately realized that. This man is not balanced enough for logic. Yeah, I really shouldn't try and justify. You're a very logical person, and a lot of so guys, a lot of arguments Sam has is when the other person's being emotional and he's being really logical, and he's just there like, but but why are you doing this? And I that's mean, the whole argument. He's him just not understanding. It's I, very I mean, funny to watch. You're painting me out to be like a robot, but like, yeah, kind of yeah. But yeah, right. kind of. Um, so Ilona moved out of the house and took her sons with her. So little Zoltan, because they like fleed Hungary. I was just picturing that little Zoltan is like, see you later, father. I will see you when mother Hungary has been freed from its Soviet pig dog rule. <laughs> and he's like, goodbye. He's just a goodbye, literal little, child. <laughs> goodbye, little Zoltan. Advitazen, father. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but this is the little bit that was like sort of provoked my previous realization. His wife, leaving Pandy with just their daughter, Agnes, Agnes fell victim to an incestuous relationship with her father. I was gonna say, why would you leave a little girl with her emotionally unstable father when you're fleeing, presumably either from the husband or from the scenario in your country? The yeah. girl needs to come with you. From e- yeah. She needs to escape from either of Absolutely. those things. She was she was 11 years old at the time. That was stupid. Uh, was like, no offence, lady, but that yeah. was stupid. So about 15 years later, early 70s, uh, again, there's these big jumps. Uh, Pandy began putting out newspaper ads to meet new women, like a cheeky like Belgian Tinder. Yep. <laughs> OG um, Tinder. <laughs> he often gave a fake name and job. He began to visit Hungary regularly, with his, and he met his second wife, Edith Finter. 
Edit. Her name is Edit. Yeah. Because she was an edit of the first wife. Oh, okay. Uh, I just like Edit as a name. I don't know. I think it's a really I cool name. I think it's name. called the Edit is the second wife. I think Edit needs a comeback as a name. I didn't even know it was there in the first place. No, it's not. It's I not. like it. Well, Finter. I'll call her Finter. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. Finter had three daughters from a previous marriage and also a current marriage. Oh. Uh, her husband at the time claimed Pandy seduced his wife, eloped with her in Belgium after Pandy's divorce was finalised. Okay. Yeah. And so Pandy and his new wife, Edit, uh, had two children together. So now there's... She had three... I'm going to... To summarise... Yeah, right. Pandy has three children from his first wife, two from his second, and three from his wife's previous marriage. But the... The two of the three from his first wife aren't with him anymore. That is correct. So they don't technically count. Yeah. No, they count as his children, but he's not like living with oh, them and providing for them. We'll wait and see. Oh, okay, okay. He is sort of a parent figure to eight children and a husband figure to two women. Great. Sounds like a perfect guy to be a dad to eight kids. Yeah. Uh, in 1984, Pandy started a second abusive relationship with one of his stepdaughters, Timia, mm, mm, who was mm. 20. Oh, okay. I mean, that yeah, I know doesn't it, it, make it better, but it, makes me yeah. less disgusted because she's an adult. Prepare to get more disgusted. She got pregnant. Oh, uh, just to clarify, stepdaughter, not technically, yeah, yeah, incest. So it means like because later she gives birth to her baby and she raises it. So it's not like, it didn't develop any problems because of that. Yeah, and I mean, Just, sometimes they don't, even if it is. Yeah. I mean, it's fucked. This yeah. Is, this is fucked. It's disgusting, regardless. And this is even more disgusting. Timia tried to speak out about the rape and abuse she was receiving, but this is so, this, oh, this is fucking okay. horrible. Her family said that she'd probably gotten a towel with Pandy's semen on it and used it to impregnate herself. What the fuck? I'm sorry. For anyone who knows anything about trying to conceive a child... A turkey baster might do it. Maybe, if you're lucky, a doctor might do it. Uh, that, that, that's not the bit you should be freaking out about. No, well, okay, but <laughs> what you should be freaking out is her mum going like, nah, it's a towel. That bit's disgusting as well, but I am particularly shocked by it is difficult to get pregnant. A towel making you pregnant is highly unlikely. So maybe believe the more likely story that your husband is raping your daughter. Yeah, although... Apparently, the mum did kind of believe it because she obviously had a hand in getting Timia out of that house. Right. Uh, Timia was sent to another home where Agnes, who had been moved to a different home with relatives. Yeah, that's the right thing to do. Yes. If your husband's raping your kids, just send the kids away. Problem solved. Absolutely. You still don't have to live with this rapey maniac. Um, Jesus Christ. So it went to the home where Agnes, Pandy's previous incestuous abuse victim, was living. Now, this is crazy. Uh, Agnes, presumably so affected by the incredible abuse she had received for years, was incredibly jealous of the attention her father was giving her stepdaughter. No. So one night after she moved in, Agnes attempted to beat Timia to death with an iron bar in the basement of the house. She was startled for some reason and didn't finish, and Timia was hospitalized with serious injuries. That's like, that's such a mind fuck for these kids, man. It's so horrible. I mean, I was listening to a podcast on Stockholm Syndrome earlier today. And it's it's so complex, especially when yeah. um, the captors are like ch are children, and their f their formative years are spent with one individual that's very important to them. So I can see how even though he obviously was abusive to her, she still wanted his like positive attention from him. It makes sense, but it's still fucked yeah. up. Um, so Timia eventually, after recovering, uh, gave birth to her son in 1986. 
and she escaped from her family and moved in with relatives in Canada. Oh, nice one. Before starting a new life in Hungary. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to calm everyone down. She doesn't come back up in the story. She lives with her son. She seems to live a very normal life. <sighs> All right, podcast over. Let's, uh, let's leave yeah, it well, there. That's, that's the end. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so this, this sparked a huge argument between Pandy and Edit. Uh, soon after, Edit and her 14-year-old daughter disappeared. Oh, they just disappeared, right? They just disappeared. Disappeared huh. into a knife that Pandy was holding, perhaps? Huh. Well, what a surprise. <laughs> um, <laughs> he presented a telegram expressing this, allegedly, from her. So he was like, so people were like, where is your wife? And he was like, look, telegram. And I was just like, we have left. And stop. Like, and he, <laughs> yeah, stop. We have not coming back. Stop. And the police were like, okay. Sort of let him have it. Uh, so the police questioned Pandy about that. And basically he was like, edit's gone. She's moved into Germany with her new lover. Uh, apparently this was enough of them and they it's left It's surprising him. how many people got, like, get away with murder for a while because what they do is they just send letters. Like H.H. Holmes did that. He just yeah. sent letters to the family. Uh, I forgot about the notorious London guy with the ba- acid basement, but he did that. Yeah. You know, a lot a lot of people get away with it. Nowadays, it would be like, um, actually, on her Snapchat, geo, whatever, <sighs> geo tag, I can see that she wasn't anywhere near you when she went missing. Which is why there are a lot of theories <laughs> that, like, serial killing is coming to an end mm. because of all this technology, which is great. Fantastic. So, two years later, in 1988, Pandy's first wife, Ilona, and her two sons disappeared. Zoltan disappeared. Into a knife that Pandy was holding? Just disappeared. Mm. Zoltan is no longer. He just disappeared. He moved on to the next plane. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, he transcended reality. Oh, yeah, Zoltan, yeah. yeah. Uh, the police questioned Pandy about that disappearance. And uh, Pandy said, initially claimed they'd moved to France, but then the story changed to South America. Almost as if he was lying. Ha! <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um, so both wives have disappeared, as well as three of his children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one child has escaped to live a new life. Right. So it's not looking great for him right now. No, it is not looking great. In- also, now he's in charge of raising however many kids are left. Why would he want that? Keep one wife around at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what you think. He's just like, who's not, uh, now I've killed my wife. Who's going to do the dishes? What? That, you betcha that's oh, what he was nappies. thinking. This is what, 88? You bet that's what he was thinking. <laughs> I'm just surprised it's what you were thinking. <laughs> So, uh, in 1990, another two years after this, Pandy sent his remaining three biological children on holiday. When they returned, they'd found that his second wife's last daughter, Tunde, Mm. had disappeared. How very curious. Right? It's almost as if there's a pattern. Absolutely. I think we might be onto something. Yeah. He told them that that she had become mentally disturbed and had been sent to live with another family. Right. So, to signpost, two wives, four children. All disappeared. And one escape. Yep. Right. One escape. So he's got three kids left. And Oh, much- wait. One escape and one, the one who tried to beat the other one. She's still living somewhere, right? Or did yeah, she just... No, she, she's still like about... Oh, she okay. hasn't disappeared is what I'm saying. Oh, right, right, right. Like one's left to live a new life and four have disappeared. Right. So there's three kids left. Coincidentally, all of them are his biological children. Okay. One from his first marriage. And the two from his second marriage. And those two are boys, correct? Uh, no, I don't believe so. I didn't say. All oh, right, okay. Um, in terms of investigation of this, the police really didn't seem to care. 
There was very limited effort on their part. I mean, it's only children. Yes, they, they were sort of like, where are all your wives and children? And he was like, I have this napkin with the word France on it. And they were like, this guy checks out. <laughs> that was it. He's a man, so it must be true. <laughs> um, in 1992, Agnes tries to report her sexual abuse to the police. Mm-hmm. That she's been experiencing for years. That must have been so she's, difficult and, and brave for her to absolutely. do. Absolutely. She's mid-30s at this point. Yeah. Like, kudos to her for, like, finally... Absolutely. Like, I'm assuming it, this doesn't end well for her, but... No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, no real action was taken, which is fucked. But... Sam, did you just say a woman tried to accuse someone of sexual assault and the police didn't listen to her testimony? Oh, How very unusual. That never happens. I really hope sarcasm is tracking the like time zones and language barriers. We're being incredibly sarcastic. <laughs> very much so. We are aware of how the system works and it's fucked. By the way, like air quotes don't work in a purely audio, like, <laughs> audio medium. So we're doing them in the voices. We yeah. hope that you pick them up. <laughs> um, yeah, although no real action was taken... This raised police's suspicions about Pandy. They were mm. like, right, this guy, we are not going to do anything about this lady who has clearly been raped. But this guy, I'm going to keep my eye on him. <laughs> this guy gives me the heebie-jeebies. And that's the only thing. Yeah, that's it. It's like they, like all they the disappearances. It was literally, it's literally like the equivalent of them, of this woman going like, I have been severely ass- assaulted my entire life. My father is dangerous. And the police are just like, I just had an idea. I think that this man is dangerous. Yeah. And Agnes is just there like, Bitch, I just what, said what, that. What the fuck? And they're just like, do you hear something? No, no, no. It's only a woman. <laughs> it is just a woman. <laughs> I love this voice, can I just say. So. It took a very long time to connect Pandy to the missing persons. Uh, five fucking years after oh. Agnes tried to report this assault. So, and she's 30 at this point, so it's been... Oh, she's like early 40s. So yeah, it's been like a couple of decades been a long since time. some of the disappearances. He was arrested, finally, on the 16th of October, 1997. Right? With a, a small amount of evidence. Now, okay. this is the twist. Ooh, twist time! I'm going to, in post, I'm going to get like a sound of just like, bam, bam, and I'm going to put it in now. Awesome. I hope it went, bam, bam, because that like, I might not be able to find, hang on, I, I, it'll sound, sub, it'll be dramatic. I don't know what exactly They've already it'll heard it by like. now. It'll be horns, timpanies. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Do you want to tell me what the twist is? So, the police didn't really have enough evidence to convict Pandy. But in 1997... Pandy's first ever daughter, Agnes, the one who was, uh, who um, mm. came to the police, was arrested by the police and confessed to participating with her father in murdering the relatives who disappeared. Um, yeah. Just some quick questions. Bombshell. First, what? What? Okay. Firstly, why was she arrested? Was it because they suspected she was connected to these? She confessed, I believe. Fuck. Well, I mean, they finally, uh, uh, the evidence is quite loose, but they managed to finally arrest Pandy. And then perhaps, again, not a lot of information, but perhaps something came up, but she confessed to this. Maybe she was arrested under suspicion of maybe having something to do with it. And then she confessed to all of it. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to hold my questions. You tell me. So... 
According to Agnes, she and her father had killed her brothers, Daniel and Zoltan, her stepmother, Edith, and her stepsister, Andrea. She said that she was solely responsible for murdering her mother. Her Ilo- own Her own mother, mother Ilona. <sighs> the sake. only murder she said she didn't take part in was the death of her half-sister, Tunde, which she said Pandy committed alone. That was the one where Pandy sent the kids away and they came back and yeah, she was yeah, gone. Yeah. Right? The method of murder, as presented by Agnes, was head trauma by sledgehammer. What? And the final cause of death being a fatal shot from a handgun. Just use the handgun. I know, right? Oh my God. This is crazy. The corpses were dismembered and partially dissolved in caustic chemicals. That's so gross. What was remaining was disposed of in a local abattoir. Now, okay. if you don't know what an abattoir is... Where like, birds are, right? Like, no, like I didn't. That's an aviary. Oh, my bad. You'll look it up and freak the fuck out because it's a place where animals are processed into food. Oh. They just glossed over this. This motherfucker made food. So when they say put in an abattoir, they don't mean like hidden there. They mean to be made into food. To be made into food. Oh, that's some Sweeney Todd shit right there. Yeah, that's fucked up. Oh, great. How old was she when this all this was happening? She's like mid-40s. No, no, no. When Not when she confessed. When she actually helped her dad do this well, stuff. Well, the earliest murder was... Uh, yeah, oh yeah, the earliest murder was in 1986. So it's literally, it's about 11 years after the first murder. Okay. Which was when they were caught in 97. Okay, so she was an adult when she was doing this stuff. Yeah, she was an adult when she was doing all I was this. imagining like a 10-year-old for some reason. Well, yeah, because... Because I can't way, do math. The way the story's told, I had the same thing. Like, I, 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 used, I used some uh, hyper maths to work out using the date that she was born and the date that I had, how old she was at the time. Oh, wow. I know, it's pretty fucking impressive. I just did the bigger date minus the smaller date. Did you do it on a calculator? Yeah, I did it on yeah. a calculator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Right now, minus... No, 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 no. No? No maths. Oh, oh, no maths. Oh, oh, you don't want to do it? Oh, you're, you're just going to mock me for it? You're oh, better okay, fine. than I am. Fine. Yeah. Are you good at spelling? How do you spell hypocrite? H-Y. Yeah, stop. I don't know how to spell it either. <laughs> um, yeah, but basically, the way the story's told, she seems really, like, childlike. The mm. way it's presented as like the facts and things, she's just a victim, the mm. way it's presented. But, you know, at the end of the day, she's not entirely a victim. Yeah, this is the whole sort of the chat we were having about Fugate last week. Sort of, yeah. if you're under someone's spell, but you do with the thing, you've still done the thing, so you should be punished for doing the thing. Yeah. But you only did the thing because you're under someone else's I mean, spell. And also like, at the same mm. time, you and I have a lot of disagreements about the strength of that aforementioned spell. Mm. Like, you believe it can be really strong, mm. and I believe that it's just a f- like a sort of coincidental blend. Of Do you know why I think we have this disagreement? Why is that? I think it's because you're like a really strong individual, and I'm like, give me all the attention. Yes. Mm. And I like, I like attach myself to people. I'm like a little barnacle. I'm like... <laughs> I think that's like a little barnacle. Yeah. <laughs> I, I stick myself to you like a barnacle. I mean, we've been together for three years. Why do you think that is, babe? Barnacle. <laughs> but like, I think, you know, it's, it's like a blend of that level of a propensity for attachments mm-hmm. or like a desire for attachments and sort of internal desire or insecurities yeah. and a mixture of a dominant ma- um, figure. Hence why it's almost always the male doing the manipulating. Mm. Or at the very least the sort of patriarchal male role. Yeah, like Eileen Wernos was like, 
the male role in her relationship. Exactly. You know, that, that someone fills the traditional male role. Yeah. And that tends to be the person who gets, who's more susceptible to it. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's actually a really good theory. I, I mean, think. especially when it's her dad as well. So daddy issues are coming into it because she needs his approval. It's literally a father figure because it is a father. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. As well as, oh, I, like, okay, this is going to sound fucked up. Just hear me out. If he's raping her and stuff and then he starts raping her half-sister and she gets jealous and all of this, she's probably wanting him to like raping her the most. I know. It's it's really messed that's up. That's a really I know that, horrible I know that thing that sounds, to say. It sounds really horrible, but I completely understand. Yeah. Like, there are issues with it. And it's it's just like, she's very clearly not sound mentally yeah and, and also, o- o- also i'm not i'm not saying that like oh what a sick fuck she wanted her dad to blow no, no, of course i'm not. not saying any no, of that no, no, i'm just trying to rationalize what her emotions might have been i think it's a really interesting point because you know when i told you earlier that she tried to beat her sister to death yeah your reaction was like sadness yeah and this, it's exactly the same with me until mm. i found out the twist but now i'm looking at it like she's a murderer she murdered her mother on her own Mm. she's a murderer, but yet we still are forced to look at her, or we're still forcing ourselves to look at her like she's just a victim, whereas... No, 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 see, that's the thing. I, that's that's the conflict I have in my head. So the Fugate thing and this thing, I, I am looking at her as a murderer, but I pity her because I understand the circumstances in which she became a murderer. Yeah. It's the same with um, with a lot of serial killers because they a lot of the time they've been abused in their childhood, et cetera, et cetera. And so you can see why they turned out the way they did. It doesn't make it okay. Yeah, but isn't it interesting that like we look at serial killers and victims like Agnes Pandy, mm. it's the same things we're describing, but we come to a completely different conclusion. With Agnes Pandy, we are describing someone who has is clearly not mentally sound and has had a dangerous upbringing, but we still view her like a victim because of this larger figure controlling her. But at the same time, that's all happening inside her head. Whereas this strong figure, like, you know, a serial killer, mm. also is not mentally sound, has almost certainly had a dangerous upbringing. The only difference are like certain extraneous variables, but the internal qualities of those people are just, I have uh, probably have mental health problems and I've had a dangerous upbringing. But except, we look at them in completely different ways. I just except think it's really interesting. you've not said anything about Agnes enjoying the murders. You might get onto that in a sec. No, Maybe. not really. Well, that's that's the thing that disgusts me about serial killers. That's why um, Jeffrey Dahmer, for example, had to get like really drunk because he didn't enjoy the actual murdering part. That's why I feel some sympathy for him because it's the hedonistic pleasure that serial killers take in killing that disgusts me. So the fact that she's killed saddens me more than disgusts me because I don't know whether or not she enjoyed it. Yeah. I think this is really an eye-opening conversation between us because it shows our varying levels of empathy. Yeah. So I love Jeffrey Dahmer because cause like I, he's one of my favorite serial killers. As in love to learn about. Yeah, I'm not sitting here, I'm not sitting here like stroking a poster of him. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I think he's a really interesting character because of his interviews and because of like how he said, but you like Jeffrey Dahmer because you're, he's more empathetic. Yeah. I just think that I find that really interesting how we justify each of these different opinions. And it almost always comes to internal views of like empathy. Yeah. I agree. Well, I hope you just enjoyed that chat. That was very eye-opening for me. I know. Sorry, carry on with your story. (laughs) No, I'm very glad. Uh, So, yeah, I will go back to the story. So, this is the trial. The evidence is pretty wishy-washy, mushy here. It's just confessions, pretty much. Yes, pretty much. Uh, Well, no, not necessarily. There just isn't a lot of evidence for us to read. Oh, right, okay. Um, But apparently, Agnes' testimony, combined with whatever other evidence they had to convict Pandy, 
was enough to convict both of them. Like, as in, they both got convicted because of the uh, testimony and obviously some other evidence that I'm not aware of. Okay, cool. In 2002, Andreas Pandy was convicted of the murder of six family members, although apparently he wasn't present for one of them. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, attempted murder and the rape of his three daughters and was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. Heck yeah, that's how yeah. you do it. This is crazy. This just shows how messed up this guy is. Pandy said that he was innocent, claiming that his family members were still alive and that he was communicating with them through angels. Now, I don't know about you, but communicating th through angels sounds like they're dead. Or, Say a phone, man. It's 1997. <laughs> or, to me, it sounds like he's pretending to be more mentally ill than he is and, and trying to diminish responsibility somewhat. To get sympathy, that. maybe. But I think he said that after conviction. Yeah, but there's still sympathy. There's still also, think about other inmates. When you've murdered children, they come for you in prison. Yeah, that's true. So, but the thing is, he also said, it's up to justice to prove they are dead. When I'm free again, they will come visit me. I doubt it, mate. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I think he believed that. Because after he gets convicted, he can just drop the insanity thing and be like, oh, they got me. What am I doing? Like, But he's, he's still clearly like trying to, convince himself that he didn't do it. Yeah. Um, so in the same year, Agnes Pandy was convicted of being an accomplice in five murders, mm -hmm. although she was alone for one of them. Yeah, and she confessed to being alone for yeah. one of them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a judge or a lawyer. I don't know how any of this works. And one attempted murder of her stepsister. Okay. The prosecutors requested a 29-year sentence, but the judge was lenient and gave her a 21-year sentence, presumably with a nicer parole. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to the defense's argument that she was under the overwhelming, irresistible spell of her father. Which makes him sound a lot sexier than I think he would have been. <laughs> yeah. Over overwhelming, irresistible spell. Pandy, Calvin Klein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Just, I don't know. I, I know it's like terrible because of, you know... You've got to laugh. The though. rape. But like, I don't know. Overwhelming, irresistible spell. I feel like that's what that's what Prince casted on his audience when he performed. Yeah. Or like or like Elvis. Not not a super serial Maybe killer. Maybe not dad. the best worded defense, but yeah. it worked. So but, okay, so yeah, it worked. Um that she, and she was coerced into participating. In her closing arguments, she said, I had no way out. I was completely in his grip. Again, let's not get into it because you and yeah. I have very, very We've we've already on gotten into it, so we can leave uh, it, She think. remains in prison to this day, and Andreas Pandy died from natural causes on December twenty third. 2013 only having served 11 11 years so pretty recently yeah this is quite recent very recent stuff that is the story of andreas pandy he's referred to as Good the job, family Andy. killer the family killer yeah and a lot of articles don't even mention his daughter really they don't even mention agnes like That's short, the most interesting bit. yeah short summaries don't even mention him huh. don't even mention her it's crazy he's referred to as the family killer which actually could be is an ambiguous thing because it could be they kill as a family they or they kill their family or both as it ended up being the case. I mean, my family, Father, daughter, we, killing tend, biz. we tend to play Monopoly, not murder. Murder your siblings and mothers. Opoly. Opoly. Yeah, so there we go. Nice. That's uh, Andreas Pandy. Alrighty, so let me tell you about my guy. First please, off though, please do. let's play the game. The game. That's my attempt at some sort of... A jingle. Jingle or whatever. I, if you want to. Okay, so we're trying to figure out a name for this game because we really like it. Essentially, if you haven't listened before, the game that we play is um, essentially where we, when we're doing a serial killer, we name a couple of serial killers, like sort of the big name serial killers. Yeah. 
or not even big name, just serial killers who they were similar to. Mm. Uh, like an amalgamation, like a weird love child of these two th- or three serial yeah. killers. And that's what this person is. Yeah. And it's sort of a fun game to sort of like um, get an understanding of what they're going to be, what their sort of thing they're going to do. If it's, anyone... just, it's just fun. And also it tests the, no- the other person's knowledge of serial killers. Yeah. Like... If anyone has an idea about what this game should be called. Tweet us. Tweet please. us. And I, I will make a jingle. Clinic crime. Please, I will make a jingle. I was thinking of calling it, who's that baby? Because <laughs> it's like the love child. The love child. But yeah. you guys can come up with better. I, I, wanted to do, I wanted to do an Arrested Development reference. But I think it's too... T- call it tell tell ma- the people. Mommy, what will I kill like? I mean, if you watch Which is Arrested a reference De- to... Arrested Development, because there's a... Because Lindsay, the character, has a short-lived ad- uh, business debacle where she tries to uh, show what your baby will, what couples' babies will look and like. And they all called, end up looking yeah, just horrendous because of called, the software being pretty bad. It's called, mommy, what will I look like? Yeah. But yeah, we'll figure out in the game. Who, who are your, who are your... Sam, who's, your who's this baby? That's, I don't want that to be a thing. <laughs> no. Okay, so imagine Andre Chikatilo. Okay. And the Hillside Stranglers. Oh, okay. Pooped so, out a little burby bean. So... Uh, Andre Chikatilo, so transient. Yep. Traveling around. Yep. Uh, traveling for work. Traveling for work. Okay. Yeah. I'm assuming quite gruesome, as Chikatilo was very gruesome. No, not that aspect of Chikatilo. Okay, so just the transient traveling yeah. drifter. Um, okay. And the Hillside Stranglers. I mean, it's in the name. St- are they d- strangling. Yeah, it's just a strangling. Okay. Sex and strangling. Sex and much. strangling. Yeah. So um, The two frequently walk hand in hand. anyhow (laughs) please begin so this guy is known as the happy face killer for reasons that i will disclose in due course i love it um he was canadian american keith hunter jesperson and he was born on the 6th of april 1955 to parents leslie and gladys in british columbia which is in canada i did have Mm -hmm. to google that because i didn't know I mean, I'm not, we shouldn't be, th- sorry, sorry to interject, but a lot of other podcasts come up with this thing where people are like, you pronounce this place's name wrong. And it's just like, they don't fucking live there. Like, yeah, I how would it. I know? I love, obviously, we all love Last Podcast on the Left. If you don't, go check it out. You will love it. Um, but obviously they pronounce, whenever they do a murder in in um, in England, they always say things like Nottinghamshire. Yeah. It's like, man, you don't I'm live I'm not going to email them about it, though. It's like, Nottingham- I don't care. Yeah, it's Nottinghamshire or Yorkshire yeah. instead of Yorkshire. Yeah. Or Worcester instead of Worcestershire, which is, that one's ridiculous. Yeah. But like, I'm not expecting you to be able to pronounce it or even know where it is. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Please who continue. Cares? British Columbia. Because at the end of the day, we're just talking about serial killers anyway. So like, who gives a fuck if I pronounce their hometown right? Yeah. Like, whatever. Anyway. So, um, you know, we were talking about how bad my maths is earlier. Very. Yeah. Well, he was the middle child because he had two brothers and two sisters. I spent a long while going, how is he the middle child when there are only four children? A long while. And I was like looking at the article again, being like, did they mess up? Nope. Five, middle one makes three. I don't don't know. I don't think that's you being bad at maths. That's just you not identifying what number you're looking at. That's like saying I'm bad at driving because I can't point at a car. I mean, like, I thought it was. Yeah, like, I thought it was a nice little illustration of my stupidity. But <laughs> let's move on, shall I we? I didn't say it wasn't that. I just said it wasn't <laughs> bad maths. Yeah, fair. So, his father, 
His father, Leslie, can you guess what sort of man he was? This, this, um, this case is quite paint by number, so I'm going to get Sam to do a bit of guessing. Guess along at home, kids. I'm going to go very abusive. Ding, ding, ding. Hyper-masculine. Ding, ding, ding. Got annoyed at his son for being too feminine. Mm, no. Well, okay, but I mean... Guess if one more a- thing. The, a big one. A big, a big one. Yeah, we're talking man with no legs in a little cart. Who was that guy's dad? Uh, Henry Lee Lucas. Yeah, his dad. Sold pencils at a skate park? No, alcoholic, man. Oh, a raging alcoholic. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Just to clarify, Henry Lee Lucas's dad was a no-legged man who moved himself around in a small cart and made his living by selling pencils at a skate park. Fun fact. That is a homeless man's fever dream. <laughs> so, um, yep. Also, Jesperson claimed that his grandfather was violent towards him as well. And whilst I couldn't find anything that verified the violence of the, on the grandfather's part, the dad was uh, definitely abusive okay. because other family members corroborated this. Although he always claimed that he never was. It's like, yeah, I beat my son every day, but that's not abuse. Like maybe it was one of those things. I don't know. Anyway, he's an ass. He also wasn't accepted by his own family or by other kids. So at school, he didn't really have many friends. And also it doesn't help that he was huge. When he um, was an adult, he weighed 240 pounds and was six foot 7.5 inches tall. Jesus Christ, that man is a giant. So um, the kids decided to call him Igor. Which doesn't track as a nickname. No, Igor is more like a hunched Igor little... is a very short, hunchbacked assistant. They should have called him Andre, like Andre the Giant yeah, from absolutely. Princess Pride. They definitely should have called him Andre. But anyhow... Um, this is, you know, maybe before Princess Bride. I don't really know when yeah, the book, absolutely. The book like, of it what, came so out. Hang on. So he's six foot, six foot eight. Pretty, pretty much, much, yeah. And he weighs over 100 kilos. Although then again, by the laws of diffusion, he's probably a normal weight. Well, yeah, yeah. But it's just it just goes to show that he was he's like... He's just a giant. Large in every way. <laughs> All right, mate. Don't get too excited. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Didn't mean that. I mean, who knows? Anyway... Um, So yeah, they called him Igor, um, and because of this and not being accepted, he was pretty shy and just played by himself. Um, He'd also often act up, I'm presuming, now this is just me projecting, I don't know if this is anything, but I'm presuming that if a child who was sort of neglected by family were to act up, it would be for attention. So yeah, unfortunately for him, when he acted up, Leslie would wail on him, and he got beaten up loads. He actually even got um, electrocuted by his father once. Electrified. I found out recently that electrocuted implies death. Oh, really? Yeah. The, uh, y- like, you're all going to be surprised by this, but the word electrocuted, pr- uh, a prerequisite for that being an appropriate adjective, is that they died. Oh, so electrified. Electrified is where you get electricity running through you, yeah. and you may or may not die. Electrocuted is where you get electricity you're running through you. fun facts today, And you, you definitely did die. Fantastic. So he got electrified by his father. Um... Guess what he loved doing as a kid? Abusing animals. Oh, yeah, and killing them. Man, I'm getting all these right. Yeah, it really is paint by numbers. It really is. Um, So, yeah, he liked abusing and killing animals. He also liked watching the animals kill each other, which I've not heard before from a serial killer background. So, like, I'm assuming he made them fight each other in some sort of stray cat fighting ring or something. Oh, I forgot content warnings. Um, Child abuse, (laughs) rape... Um, murder, um, and animal abuse. Yeah, super on time with that one. With yep. that last one. 
Yeah. No, but that, that's actually really interesting. That really, because animal abuse, a lot of theories as to why that comes up in serial killers so much is about control. Mm-hmm. As in they are controlling and abusing this animal mm-hmm. and making two of them fight. That's like this almost you're very separate and you are controlling. You're a puppeteer. That's also. less of a, I am controlling this individual and more like I'm Julius fucking Caesar deciding whether or not these things live or die. That's literally like the control one would have from organizing a gladiator fight and choosing if they'd live or yeah, die. It's That's really interesting. And five years old as well. That's like megalomania to its fullest extent. That's the mm. beginnings of it. So when he was 10, Little story for you. He was friends with a boy called Martin, which I, I read this and I thought, oh, he's got a friend now. Igor has a friend. Um, no. Apparently, Martin would act up and then blame Jesperson for his misdemeanors or whatever. That implies crime. Whatever. Stop with my. Stop looking at me like that. I know. I know. I know what I'm saying. Anyway, so he'd act up, <laughs> and um, and he blamed Jesperson for it, and presumably. By uh, this article saying Jesperson got punished, that means he got beaten by his father. Jesus so he Christ. starts hating this kid. Just who's like Martin, to be his just friend. being like, just like the headmaster or whatever, being like, Martin, I hear you did this, eh? Like, uh, and Martin's just like, no, a little Jesperson did it, didn't he, eh? And he's just like, yes, Martin. <laughs> yes, I committed the crime. And Martin's just like, yeah, you did, eh? Yeah, and he's six foot eight giant. Well, I think the thing is because he's an outcast and his family doesn't respect him or like him anyway. If another kid says, "Oh, he did it," they're just going to be like, "Great, we get to beat him again." Yeah, fair enough. So that sucks for him. Um, What he did next was probably not warranted, even though Martin was definitely a dick. He tried to beat Martin to death. Jesus. And he only managed to be stopped when his father like came and physically like picked him up and moved him away from Martin. How big was his father? He was a 10 year old boy. Yeah, but I mean, still going to be pretty big. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Um, And then when he was 11, so about a year later, he was swimming in a lake, again, presumably with friends who turned out to be dicks as well. Uh, This, this kid swims up to him and holds his head underwater until, until Jesperson passes out. And Jesperson's like, why the fuck do people keep doing this to me? I'm just a shy animal torturing boy. Like, fuck off. So, um, a few months later, they're all swimming in a swimming pool. And Jesperson's like, I'm going to do it to you. and try- But tries to kill the boy. Oh my, yeah. yeah and again, is only stopped when an authority figure, in this case a lifeguard, comes along and is like, what you doing there, eh? I can't do a Canadian accent. No. I love the phrase lifeguard. It's so simple. They're guarding life. They are guarding life, yes. You're very into words today, aren't you? I'm very into words every day. <laughs> so, um, this bit, I only found like one sentence on it in everything that I looked at, and some things didn't even mention it. When he was 14, he was raped. Right. So this rape is pretty much hardly mentioned. Um, so if anyone knows about anything about it, please feel free to tweet us. Yeah, just any additional details would be nice. Um, because it was literally the sentence, he was raped when he was 14, and that was it. But yeah, it would be really interesting to see whether it was by like a family member or by an authority I'm, figure. Like, what if it was his father? Yeah. You if know? it was by an authority figure, that would be... That would really play into the whole idea of serial killers' uh, desire for control. Yeah, and it like takes more boxes of things mm-hmm. that happen to serial killers when they are children. Yeah. So he grows up, moves out, he's 20, he marries Rose Huck. They were married for 14 years, and the couple had three children together, one of whom was a daughter named Melissa. Now, since her father was caught, 
Um, she's spoken up about about having a serial killer father, and she's been on the Dr. Phil show, and she's been on Oprah. Wow. Yeah. Um, she also wrote a book, and there's a little anecdote from her childhood, which I just wanted to disclose to you because it's, you know, we're doing the timeline. He's, you know, 20-something years old. Mm-hmm. He's got a kid, and this is what the kid witnesses. So one day she just sees him in the garden, and he's hanging a bunch of stray kittens from the washing line. Oh, my God. He's just hanging them there, pegged them up on a washing line. And she obviously freaks out, runs to go get her mum. But by the time she and her mum arrive back at the scene of this kitten washing line, they're all dead on the floor. Oh, my God. And apparently he had stood there and laughed as they clawed at each other and tried to, like, get off this... this oh I'm, I'm assuming they were hung by their necks or something so they couldn't reach the washing line to get up or whatever. And then he just, like, laughed until it stopped being funny and then, like, beat them to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a bit of comic relief, though. I sort of just picture his daughter coming up to him and being like, hey, pup, let's, uh... Let's start laundry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you doing? Uh, d- uh, Dad, um... I don't know if you got yourself confused there, eh? But uh, <laughs> there, those aren't socks. <laughs> That's a beautiful image. I don't know. It's just Canada in my head. Canada. I've got Canadian family, and they're all so lovely. <laughs> like in my head, Canada's just like this place where everyone's just like, "Oh, you seem to have fallen over and you stabbed a lady by accident." <laughs> Would you like me to get you a plaster? Like I don't know. Please, I mean, go, unfortunately, go not for this. No, it's a horrific tale. Yeah. Yeah, um, can you guess what his dream career was? In the army. Second. As in like the second most popular one amongst serial killers. Oh my God, of course. How did I not think of it immediately? Fucking police officer. Duh. But he was in Canada, so he wanted to be a Mountie. But he is a policeman. You don't need a new word for it. How the fuck are you going to get a six foot eight giant on a horse? <laughs> Jesus Christ. you got to get a real big horse. It's like, look, you can join the police force, but you have to be one of the horses. <laughs> Um, well, actually, they did They did say he could join, um, and he started going through training, but he actually sustained a leg injury during the training, so his dream was shattered, and he could no longer continue with training, and so couldn't become a Mountie. That's outstandingly common with serial killers, like uh, uh, Son of Sam, yep. Ed Kemper, mm. all of them were like desperate to be a, uh, like police officers. Yeah, it's... Um, Position it's of authority. Weird. Yeah. Um, he... Didn't get to be a Mountie. Mm-hmm. So clearly the next step is to become a truck driver. Of course. Obviously. That's the de facto second in, in the hierarchy of life. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, riding a horse, riding a truck. Duh. Same thing. Yeah. So we're going to fast forward to the murders here. Um, so January 22nd, 1990. Um, it's actually the year that Jesperson and Huck filed for divorce after their 14 years of marriage coincidence i think not but that's probably the catalyst but it wasn't brought up anywhere else but Mm -hmm. i mean whatever i I think it's probably a catalyst anyway um a cyclist in oregon spotted something on the side of a highway obviously it was a body it was the body of 23 year old um tonya bennett i think that's how you pronounce it she'd been strangled with with rope and she'd been punched in the face 20 times to the point where she was unrecognisable. Jesus Christ. Yeah, she'd also been sexually assaulted. Um, so here is the bit where two people go to jail for the murder of Tonja Bennett. Okay. 
there is so much on this and I don't want to go over time. So I will just tell you briefly what that's about. Mm -hmm. So there was this couple, a woman who was in the habit of accusing her drunken husband of crimes that he just didn't do when she was pissed off with him. Um, And she just went, yeah, he did it. And the police were like, oh, he did it. And she was like, yeah, he did it. Um, (laughs) So he went to prison and so did she for being an accomplice, apparently. He did it. He did it. Yeah, he did it. You sure he did it? I'm sure he did it. So he did it. Yeah. He did it. He did it. Um, So yeah, they both went to prison. um, And there's, you know, you can look up the Happy Face Killer and there's a lot of it is on this. And there's a documentary about him. And Mm. a lot of the documentary is focused on these two people who went to jail. But we don't have time for that. So I'm just going to move on. So a year later in Montana, a message was found written on the wall of a bathroom at a bus station. So this is a year after um, the murder of Tanya Bennett. And the message says, are you prepped? I'm ready. I killed Tonya Bennett January 21st, 1990 in Portland, Oregon. I beat her to death, raped her and loved it. I'm sick, but I enjoy myself too. Two people took the blame and I'm free. And the message ends with a smiley face. No. Yep. A circle with two dots and then a little smile on the bottom. That's crazy. Yep. Why do you think he did that? You will find out. Oh, I'm so interested to find out why he decided to write that message. So Guilt, pride? Okay, please, go on. Another message is found a few days later in a truck stop bathroom in Oregon. And it says, I killed Tonya Bennett in Portland. Two people got the blame so I can kill again. And again, there's a smiley face at the end of that message. Man, this <clears> is cool. Right? Weird. Weird stuff. Like, Very why is weird. he doing this? I, I'm so curious. So police actually dismissed this as some of the convicted, like, drunken husband that I just spoke about. Some of his mates being like, he's innocent. We'll prove it. Ha ha, look, there's somebody else out there. But it Mm. wasn't that. But that's what the police thought it was. So they just didn't look into it at all. So next murder occurs on 30th of August, 1992, which is two and a half years after his first murder. So he has a little bit of a chill out time. Or he just, we just don't know about what he did in those two and a half years. Yeah. Either or. Um, the body of a woman who'd been raped and strangled was found by police dogs in the desert. Jesus. There's a lot of info, uh, that, sorry, there's not a lot of info about these victims because a lot of them were transients and a lot of them were... Sex workers. Sex workers. This is such a paint-by-numbers case. It's crazy. It's so interesting, you know, so, to see yeah. this is a great... Actually, this would be a great case for anyone who's trying to explain what all the sort of landmark this is going to be a serial killer things are. Yeah, yeah. That's great, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Tonya Bennett, she was just a, like a normal gal. Like I say normal gal, sex workers are normal gals too, but you know what I mean? She didn't, she wasn't like promiscuous in any way. Well, it's referred to as a high risk vocation. Yeah. I mean, the, the th- they were a bit victim blamey in the documentary. Um, and they said like, oh, family and friends were worried because she'd go to bars and leave with men. And I'm like, bitch, I used to do that too. And I was fine. Yeah. Human being. Yeah. It's like, but like, it's not in, her fault. When, when you say like someone had a normal job that in generally speaking, in cases like this, it means it's referred to in the police uh, in like sort of, uh, it's just like low legalities. risk. It's high risk vocations is something like a sex worker. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's why that I found so much info on Tonya Bennett and also because of the other two people getting um, jail time for it. Um, and literally there's like not even a sentence for some of these women. It's the, of some of the sex workers. It's horrendous. Um, but anyway, so this woman was, um, yep, yeah, so she was found in the desert in California and we don't know her identity. 
A month later, again in California, the body of Cynthia Lynn Rose was discovered, and Jesperson later claimed that he strangled her to death because she came into his truck whilst he was sleeping. What? Yeah, there was a bit in there also about how she'd previously said that she wouldn't have sex with him and then came into his truck whilst he was sleeping. So Also, they're in the desert, right? No, where are they in They're in way? California now. Oh, okay. The, okay. Uh, the, uh, the unknown victim was found in the, in the desert, desert. Yeah. Okay. Um but yeah, so the story that I'm piecing together here is he approaches a sex worker, says, "Will you fuck me?" She says, "No." And then later on, maybe she gets drunk. Maybe she's not had any other clients that evening. And she's like, you know what? I could actually do with that client. Like, he's a giant, but I'll do it. And so she goes into his truck, not realizing he's sleeping. He wakes up and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And kills her. That's the narrative I've made up. My guess. But I don't know. Given that the only um, testimony is from the killer. My guess is that she said yes and he just killed her. Yeah, probably. Like that's my assumption in that, you know, he's trying to distance himself from it or he's trying she in his head. She interrupted me whilst I was Yeah, leaving. he's trying in, in his head to justify it, give himself these little allowances or little reasons for why he did it. Maybe. Anyway, um, the body of Laurie Ann Pentland was found in Oregon in November of 1992. And now uh, she was a sex worker as well. Blah. She was a sex worker as well, and he claims that he killed her because she wanted to charge double for the sex. Um, so presumably he did like some weird stuff in the bedroom, and she was like, "Yeah, that's gonna be double, mate." Or it's just that like, he fuck, he's so fucking big; it's like having sex with two people. <laughs> anyway, um, June 1993, California, another unidentified victim was found, and yet another one was found in September of 1994 in Florida. So as you can see, there's not a lot of information about these victims they were presumed to be sex workers and i'm guessing that the police probably didn't look into it very much because of that probably not um and it's probably also very difficult because they were transients or because they were sex workers and sometimes sex workers you know get into arguments with their families who don't like that they're sex workers and then they don't speak so no one's there to report them missing blah 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 you get the picture yeah okay so this is insane in 1994 the newspaper oregonian which is a newspaper in oregon received a long-ass letter signed with a smiley face. Now, I could not find the whole letter. I found pictures, but they weren't, like, clear enough yeah. if you, like, zoomed in and the handwriting was weird. If anyone has a typed copy of this letter, please tweet us at Killinit Crimecast because... That'd be so cool. Oh, my God. I need to read this whole letter. Hit me with some quotes. Here are the bits that I found. So whoever wrote the letter... Oh, I wonder who it could be. It's Jesperson. So Jesperson in the letter says that he's murdered six people in total. He says, I feel bad, but I will not turn myself in. I'm not stupid. He then says, in a lot of opinions, I should be killed and I feel I deserve it. My responsibility is mine and God will be my judge when I die. I am telling you this because I will be responsible for the cr these crimes and no one else. It all started when I wondered what it would be like to kill someone. And I found out what a nightmare it has been. Right? So it sounds kind of remorseful and kind of like, oh, God will judge me, blah, blah, blah. But notice the bit where he says, I will be, I am telling you this because I will be responsible for these crimes and no one else. But he's let those two fuckers take the blame for his no. first crime. After those two got blamed for that crime, what did he do in the truck stop bathroom? He said, two people have, um, have two people have gone down for it and I don't care. Two people have gone down for it, but I did it. Yeah. He was jealous and annoyed that other people were getting credit for his crimes. 
oh, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. No, that, like that's that, what he said. He said yeah. that after he was apprehended. He did not like that other people no. were getting attention. Because re- those letters could be read in a sort of Dharma-esque way, or yeah. even in the weepy-voiced killer way, Yeah, which is like... I did it. I can't stop. I have to say. I have to do it in some way. Yeah. That's why I was saying. Was or even it guilt the or pride? Killer. Yeah. Was it guilt or pride? As in, was it someone saying, "I have to write it somewhere because my conscience is killing me"? Mm-hmm. But no, for him, you could read it like it that. Was but for pride. him, it was like, "No, I want the. I want the." Fuck these two people for yeah. taking all my credit. I want people to know it wasn't them and that there's someone out there. That's very BTK. And then the letter ends with, "Look over your shoulder. I'm closer than you think." Whoa. So he wants people to know that there is a killer out there who is still killing and likes it and is not going to turn himself in and is closer than you think. That's real scary. I know, like literally getting chills over here. Absolutely terrifying. So next victim who was not a sex worker. So guess what? There's information about her. Wow, what a fucking surprise. I know. So January 1995, Jesperson gave hitchhiker Angela Surprise, or Surprise. <laughs> I love that name. Yeah, just like, surprise, I'm in your van. <laughs> surprise, I'm here. Surprise, you get murdered. Angela, surprise! <laughs> so um, he gave her a ride from Spokane to Indiana, and it was about a week into their road trip that he murdered her. And apparently this is because she started talking about her boyfriend and he got pissed off. Oh my God. So she just got annoying and inconvenient, and he was like, yeah, you can leave now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yep. Um... Now, not to victim blame, um, but I don't understand why she accepted a drive, like a lift from this truck driver who was a literal giant. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, okay, I've got, I've got quite a, a weird uh, relationship with the phrase victim blame. Mm. Now, like, it's what, there's, there's two categories of victim blaming that I think, I think really need to be separated. There's, yeah, on the one sure. hand, some people victim blame by saying things like, oh, you deserved to get killed. And in no way is that what we're doing, ever. We never say that. No one deserves to receive what they're getting in in these stories. Yeah. But on the other hand, there's also a side of it which is, it's not victim blaming for the death, but there are certain things that you can avoid doing. Like saying, getting getting into a car with a stranger, like, of course, maybe there was a reason that Angela Surprise had to do this. She could have been running away from someone. She might have, he might have been the first one that offered her a lift and she was needed to get one. I mean, she might have been talking about her boyfriend in the capacity of like, he's super abusive and I'm trying to get out of here. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, there are things they have to do, but at the same time, there are certain things you don't do. Like, I think, you know, one way of putting it, it's like, it's like, it's like if I jumped into a lion cage mm. and I was killed by a lion, Obviously, I'm not. I shouldn't be blamed for the lion killing me. That's a lion. Like, but you should, probably shouldn't have jumped. I shouldn't into have the... jumped into the lion cage. And yeah. to say something, to say to to disavow all of these statements of saying like these people shouldn't do these things, is is difficult. And I, yeah. I, I have a really big problem with it. Like, it's it's not victim blaming is a really big issue, See, and it's horrible. The thing is, is that you and I have an understanding of this, and you know that I don't think that this person should have should have been killed. I don't think that anyone should have been killed. However, the listeners don't know that. So I think yeah. it's important to sometimes just say, heads up, we're not arseholes. Absolutely. We, we will never victim blame uh, in yeah. this capacity. Absolutely not. Like, this girl obviously had, like, a reason for doing this. And it was a, a pr- probably a tough time if she's hitchhiking around this area. I mean, and even if it wasn't, she still didn't deserve to get murdered. Yeah. Also, it helps to put a spotlight on these things in as advice yeah. for what not to do. Don't what... get into a truck with a giant man. Yeah. In hindsight, that seems fine. But if he seemed nice, if she was desperate... But, you know, there's always, if there's always a possibility, there's, it's better to avoid it. Yeah, you don't, we, we don't know the situation, so we can't say that what she did was 
objectively silly. Yeah. But in hindsight, she pro- it was probably a bit silly. Yeah. Anyway, so we're on to his final murder now, which was in um, March of 1995, when Jesperson strangled his fiancée, Anne Winningham. And um, so he was a truck driver, right? So probably not a lot of money. It's not like he's an investment banker or a politician or a mm-hmm. rock star or anything. But he got it into his head that she was only with him for his money. And so he killed her. Oh, my God. So ridiculous. It's, it's, it's such a silly idea. Just this. Anyway. Um, so I like to think that he finally got caught because the hashtag the husband did it is pretty accurate. And so... Um, Very accurate. Yes. Yeah. So the police were like... Let's look into the fiancé. And sure enough, he became a suspect. And um, after he became a suspect and was questioned by police, he tried to kill himself twice. Now, he failed to do so. And so with his tail between his legs, he came... He failed to do so. It's probably because he was just so fucking big. Yeah. like He just couldn't reach anything. (laughs) It's just like, I can't reach my wrists. I can't do any of this. My neck's too thick, like Danny DeVito in uh, Always Sunny. Yeah, in Always Sunny. <laughs> um, so yeah, tail between his legs, he goes crawling to the police department. And he's like, "Go on then, lads, I I did it." <laughs> like he literally rocks in with a noose around his neck, and he's just like, "I tried so hard, and I, I'm done. I'm done. Just take me in." You just, I, I'm, I'm. This is too. This is too much exercise for me. Just, ugh. So um, so yeah, he um. He turns himself in and he confesses to all of the murders and he is given three consecutive life sentences. However, by all of the murders, I mean the eight. The eight that we have just covered and the eight that were proven to be his doing. Yeah. But he, at one point, confessed and then recanted this confession to 160 murders. 160? Now, that's a lot. That is a lot. And as transient as he was, and as, po- like, this could be possible, right? He was truck driver going all around the USA, and his victims were people that may not have been noticed. They were the less dead, which is a term they always use in um, the podcast, last podcast on the left. They always use that to, to sort of explain that to police and to society, if a sex worker goes missing, not as many people care if it as if it was... Yeah, as, it's a, it's as, a horrible yeah. phenomenon where... People who are in certain lifestyles or certain have certain jobs or in certain racial or sort of sexual categories, suddenly uh, the police and the newspapers, they just don't care. Yeah, if it was a six-year-old white girl, for sure everyone would be yeah. like, where is she? Yeah. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, sex workers also tend to fall out with their families and tend to, you know, not be in touch with people because of their lifestyle. And so probably a lot of them just didn't get reported missing. So I don't doubt that he committed more than eight murders, but I do doubt that it was 160. Yeah. But I mean, you know, looking back at the messages he put where he was like, it's, he's clearly very prideful. It would make sense that this is like an exaggeration. Like he's really exaggerating to try and make himself look better. Like he, he seemed to have a problem. He wants that, people yeah. to know that he did it and he yeah. doesn't want other people to get the credit air quotes for yeah. that murder. So that's it for Keith Jesperson. Yeah, so he's, he went to prison. Yep. Fair enough, yeah. I'm he pretty came sure he's still alive. I mean, if there isn't anything about his death, that means he's almost certainly still in prison. Yeah, um, yeah I think he's in Oregon um, State Penitentiary or some, you know, he's, he's in Oregon rotting away as he should be. Yeah. 
So that's my case. Keith Jesperson, the happy face killer. Yeah, that's an awesome name. I love it so much. Yeah. Yours, so yeah. yours was good too. Pandy. I like that. Pandy. Pandy. Yeah, so that was a really good story. I really enjoyed yours. Thanks, babe. I enjoyed yours. Yeah, and also you guys are, the listeners out there, you guys are learning a lot more about us. We had some good chats. Yeah, yeah, how, yeah. How apparently I'm just a, an emotionless robot. And I'm just a leechy little barnacle. <laughs> yeah. Robot and the barnacle. Robot and the barnacle. It's just the shittest superheroes ever. Yeah, I feel like we should be fighting crime with our emotionlessness and neediness combined. Combined, actually, we make one normal human being. That's why we're the perfect couple. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's our cue to sign off. Yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram at Killinit Crimecast. You can follow us on Twitter at Killinit Crime. And you can email us at Killinit Crimecast at gmail.com. Yeah, and please rate and review on iTunes. We love hearing you guys that are telling us what you think. And uh, obviously, reviews. Uh, stroke our egos and uh, it oh, makes us feel slightly good yes. and it makes us want to keep doing it and even if you don't like what we're saying please do let us know so that we can fix it if we're if you want to hear more of something or less of something let us know we'll fix it yeah, maybe. Let's, get a, let's get a conversation going I mean look yeah. put your point out there if I disagree I probably won't do it but so that's just probably me because I'm a fucking robot <laughs> and as a barnacle I will latch on to anything that you say and I will try my best yeah, you're a people pleaser. You I really people. am. Yeah, I please you, right, babe. So we're going to sign off. Oh <laughs> we're going to sign off. We'll see you next time. <laughs>